there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing to add. You already have access to whatever it is that, that makes you special, that gives you power, that gives you peace, whatever it is that's your purpose. You're doing it right now. That was Slade Robertson, and this is episode 26 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two, and in it, we're exploring healers, specifically how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy. Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm really excited this week to be sharing a conversation with Slade Robertson. And that conversation is going to happen in just a few minutes, but I wanted to update you with some things that have been going on. In personal news, the Pacific Northwest is really hot. You know, we're not used to the heat up here. (laughs) It gets over about 75 degrees, and I think that I'm you know, shrinking, um, or, you know, needing to get out of the heat, but, um, you know, it, it's eclipse season, you know, and for those of you who are highly sensitive in the world, you might've been feeling some, you know, big emotional upheaval in some areas of your life and what maybe one or two areas in particular. And I'm not the astrologer. I, that's not my, main area of focus. And as you'll hear Slade and I talk about today, it's something I've considered doing because I think I would be really good at it, but it's not the main thing I do. And I'm trying to stick to the thing that I do the very best. But there are a lot of astrologers out there who are explaining this season, this eclipse season. It's very intense. And something that's helped me to know as a highly sensitive person is that No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I'm distracted by, I am sensitive to things that are happening in nature, things that are happening in the cosmos. So if you've been feeling like, what is going on these past few weeks, um, or have felt something building within you, you're right. You have. And what I notice is that I start to feel uh, uh, cosmic events before they happen. And I'll start to notice something is is shifting. And usually, this is my pattern, so I'm like, what is going on? This feels so chaotic. And then I get my astrologer on the phone, and she does what astrologers do best, which is like put a map over the chaos. If you need a great astrologer, please look no further than Holly Rapin at Mosaic Astrology. She is somebody that I have worked with for years, and she's fantastic. So it's eclipse season over here, and and all of these eclipses are taking place in my fourth house of home and relationships. And things have been challenging at home. You know, we're in a, uh, my partner and I are in a challenging place, um, realizing that we are coming up against some really, uh, both of us, some really long held patterns that are not working for us anymore. So it's been stressful. But what's been nice to come out of that is I have such great support. I have I have a supportive therapist, I have supportive friends, I have a supportive supportive astrologer, and it starts to help me um, map out where I'm at and where I would 
you know, like to go and where I need to go. And so I've been um, feeling a little bit more peaceful just in the last um, day or so. It is, gosh, July 27th. So the uh, first eclipse is happening here tonight. But I'm actually starting to feel a bit more peaceful um, knowing that this is something happening in the universe right now and I'm sensitive to it. So I just want to reiterate that if you're highly sensitive and you know paying attention to astrology or having a good resource could be could be really it may be comforting for you. Let's talk about what's going on at Sensitivity Uncensored because there's a few really exciting things happening. If you're on my weekly if you're on my newsletter, which is quasi-weekly, right? Um, then you would know that I run a student reading clinic through the School of Sacred Rebellion, where those of my students who are in the clairvoyance section of their program give away public readings for 30 bucks. It's a way that they practice, I supervise, and you get reduced readings. I believe there are two slots left this season, and that the season of the clairvoyant section of the school goes through um, late September. The next season is yet to be announced, but there's only a couple slots left. So if you want a $30 one hour reading, um, hop over to my website. I'll provide the link in the show notes and see if that spot is yours. I have some new space on my schedule as well. So if you've been interested in getting started with me, know that you can have your first your first appointment is 30 bucks. I spend 30 to 45 minutes with you making sure that this is the work that you like. We make sure that we like each other and you resonate with this work and then it's always up to you whether or not you want to go further. But I have a couple of slots open newly on my schedule. Sometimes this happens in the summer. So, you know, if if it resonates with you, again, jump over to my website and and grab that spot for yourself. In the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, this is the membership group that I co-create with Heidi Frank Palmer. In August, so starting next week, our theme is going to be talking about relationships, which is so, just so perfect for where I'm at in my life. And, you know, the universe seems to kind of line up, but we're going to be talking about relationships for highly sensitive people, right? And, and no, we are not going to be laying out like this is the one way that relationships work for highly sensitive people because that is bullshit, right? We know that. So we're going to be talking about the challenges. We're going to be talking at discussing what we know works. Um, and, and we're going to be, you know, having an ongoing discussion in our Facebook group and in our um, discussion calls to talk about all of this stuff. Um, so that again, we can be free to live these sensitive, creative lives. So if you've been interested in joining the refuge, and you think that this subject would be great. You'll come on over. It's 19 bucks a month. You get discussion calls, two discussion calls a month. You hang out with us. We're in the, in our Facebook group every day. And you can cancel at any time. Anytime. We are not holding you hostage. <laughs> it's a refuge. <laughs> and then the last thing I want to tell you about, I'm really excited about this and I'm really nervous about it. I'm realizing I and the school, the School for Sacred Rebellion, are holding our first public, public, public event, meaning that I am renting a space in um, kind of uptown Fremont neighborhood of Seattle, the Fremont Abbey, which is a fantastic community space, and we are having a sacred pampering day. Sacred pampering is, it's basically a spa day for your soul. The students of the School for Sacred Rebellion are going to be showcasing their new skills in energy healing and intuitive readings. And so on Saturday, September 1st, from 10 to 2, you can come in anytime. It's open house style and drop in for a free reading or a free healing or, you know, one of each, should you want that. You, we're going to have snacks. 
We're going to have uh, members of the refuge there. If you want to talk about, you know, what is what is this refuge? What are what are you doing? Let me hear from somebody who's in it rather than somebody who runs it. You know, you're going to be able to talk to people and, you know, really just come and hang out with highly sensitive people. You know, so if you have been wanting to find a, a, a gang or a um, if you've wanted to find a group rather of highly sensitive individuals, come and hang out with us. We would love that. The more the merrier. And just know that we're sensitive and some of us are shy and a lot of us are introverts and some of us aren't. And we would love to meet you. We would love, love to meet you. We're going to have some funny sandwich signs, sandwich board signs outside to try to draw people in. And if you are listening and you don't live in Seattle, there is an online option for you. I'm going to put the link to all of this in the show notes, but we want you there too. And I have students all over the world. So we're going to have the ability for you to sign up for free remote readings and healings. All right. So all of that, though, if if you are going to be remote, you actually have to sign up for a time slot and you can do that on uh, my website. So I'll give that link to you. Let's talk with Slade, shall we? So I had the honor of being on Slade's podcast, Shift Your Spirit, several months ago, and we had so much fun having a conversation that we knew we needed to do it again. And so this was the next opportunity for that. I've had an intuitive reading from Slade. I really love how he works. And I just find it really fascinating to speak with other intuitives to see, you know, how they do what they do and how that's different from how I do it and how it all just seems to work together. Slade is a professional intuitive author and host of the podcast Shift Your Spirits, where he tries to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather, which is why I love him. He also mentors emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. Here's my conversation with Slade. When you are out and about, you know, what do you, and people ask you what you do, what do you tell people? I usually start by saying that I'm an author because I primarily identify as a writer first and foremost, and the bulk of my day is spent writing. Even if it's something that ends up being spoken, there's some kind of scripting involved or notes or um, my work habits very much revolve around writing sessions and word counts and, and that kind of thing. And really my whole job, if you want to call it that, as an intuitive started out as a writing project. I just wanted to put out some of my experiences as a, you know, just some of my clear audience experiences, some of the things that I'd always felt afraid to share about the fact that I hear stuff, you know, that's always like a, ooh, something you don't want to admit, um, mm-hmm. because there's so many jokes about you know, the voices in your head and all that kind of stuff. So I had really written a lot of essays and a lot of content and journals about the concepts of of voices and, you know, the kind of programmable layers of thought that we have going on in our heads. And I thought it was going to be that, you know, like that was the nudge. Like I just needed to get that out of myself. So I start by saying I am an author And then if people ask, oh, well, what do you write? Then I tell them, you know, I write new age, personal development, spirituality, that kind of stuff. If they continue to show interest, then we go deeper and deeper and get more specific. So um, some people ask you what you write about just to be polite. You know, they're not really interested. It's just the beats in a in a polite meet and greet kind of situation, whereas other people I can feel their response to each layer. And so I kind of walk them in, you know, to, uh, to what I do. And I think that that, you know, particularly what you said about walking someone in, if we can, I've been thinking a lot about this since you asked it to me on, on your podcast, but I think that what you say there, if we can kind of stay centered in us and validate ourselves, then we do have that ability as intuitives to feel in, to what's going on and be able to sense, okay, what's the next layer, just like we might do in any sort of session, right? So I love that you 
Talk you know, about I've that. been I've been telling myself for a long time that I'm somehow like protecting my identity from somebody who might, you know, think I'm crazy or whatever it is. But to tell you the truth, since we've had this conversation and, and since I've been having it with other people, I've realized that part of it is to protect myself from having to give readings on the spot all the time, just because, you know, it's like if you're a doctor at a cocktail party and people want you to look at a weird thing on their arm or they want to talk to you about their, you know, symptoms or whatever. I'm very sensitive to not asking the girl who cuts my hair to like trim my hair if I run into her at the grocery store. You know, there's like a time and place to do your job. And unfortunately, you know, if you, if you lead with, I'm a psychic, you're going to immediately get read me. And I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't really honor my space and my time and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's a little bit of a double protection going on, but more than anything, it's just kind of like, I want to see if you even care. If you care, we can go there. If yeah. you're not that interested, it's no big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. So I want to, I want to, before we jump into the work that you do, which I love, I'd love to know about what your life was like before you did writing and intuitive readings and your school that you have. So, cause I find this journey really fascinating and the students that I have are always like, how am I, you know, how do you get there? You know, how did you become what you became? And I, I think it's so great to normalize the pathway to becoming a healer. So whatever you want, wherever you want to take that question, (laughs) go for it. Okay. Well, I'll start with the last real job that I had working for other people. How about that? Yeah, Um, perfect. Yeah. So I had the greatest job for me on paper that I'd ever, ever seen. And when I saw this job, I was like, this is amazing. It's like, little bits of everything that I do. And it was a job as a student advisor um, at a major university. And I was also like in a career counseling center. I had a background, corporate retail background in headhunting, training, hiring people, interviewing people. I've literally interviewed thousands of people in my life before I ever even thought of podcast interviews, right? Um, So I got this job. This was um, in 2003, maybe. um, And it was just perfect for me. I wanted to work on a master's in counseling. And I was like, this is fantastic. Um, I get to work at a university in a building with psychotherapists and, you know, be a student advisor, which I really like that age of person. And one of my kind of favorite kinds of readings to do is about path and purpose. And so picking, helping people pick their major was like, yes, that's the perfect conversation for me, you know? And I really loved it until it turned out that my boss was just a real tyrant. And the whole thing really got pulled out from under me um, Mm. just due to unbelievable like bullying and stress. And um, I had an aneurysm as a result of it. So long story short, um, I lost that job and was unable to really go out and get another job because I was partially paralyzed for about nine months. My speech was slurred. My face was frozen. Um, you know, it was, and I, I hate to say this, but my vanity was so destroyed in a way that I'd never experienced. I just wanted to retreat into my house and just be a shut in, which I basically did. And I was like, what can I do locked in my house as a job, as a career? You know, what can I do if I can't leave? And, you know, the thing that I, always wanted to do was write and publish. And um, I, it was the only thing I could do. And so in a way it's like, would I have ever found the motivation to do it if I hadn't been forced into a corner in that way? So it was a combination of everything that I dreamt about doing and then the things that terrified me the most. Mixed with a health, healthy sprinkling of what do I have to lose? You know what I mean? 
I do. I actually do know what you mean. I, I, I didn't have the same experience, but you know, something I share similarities in that I had an injury that had me laid up on my back for a really long time. And something that I've resonated when you talk on your podcast is, are the spiritual messages that came to you at that time about Mm -hmm. what was to come next? So do you mind talking about that? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I was reaching out spiritually as a a part of healing myself. You know, I was like, okay, I just had a stroke at the age of 33 from stress and from, you know, partially maybe not doing what I really need to be doing in my life, even within my own house, the energy was just really off. And so I, I kind of started to invoke my guides and communicate with spirit as a way of getting better, you know? And um, so I, I, I was just really desperately reaching for anything that could help me. And it, I found the channel was just really raw and the antenna was reaching way out there in a way it never had before. And and I really started to pick up a lot in that isolation and in that silence. And I remember kind of, you know, really the marching orders that I got or the like assignment that I got was you need to share this stuff, this part of yourself, you know, and I was writing a lot about the experiences as they were happening. And my guides were like, this is your answer. It's just to do what you always wanted to do, but do this, this thing in particular. And I remember just feeling a sense of like, what the hell? Okay. Let's do it. Let's see what happens, you know? And it was like a surrender. Yes. You know, I felt like somebody had been nagging me to do something like get on stage and sing or something, you know, like, um, yeah. you know, like somebody had been trying to drag me on stage to do karaoke for you know, a really long time. <laughs> and I finally just said, okay, like, you know, what, what, what'll happen if I just say yes? And so I just said yes to it and I just did it. And it, you know, the thing that I always tell people is when you're looking for a path, you're not going to get like the whole thing laid out A to Z. That's part of your problem. You're going to get one little nugget, one stepping stone, one breadcrumb trail, you know, on the trail. So just do that thing first. And if you do that thing, it's almost like your spirit, your higher self, your guides, however you think of it. It, it's almost like they say, okay, good. He's receiving these messages. Now we can give him more. And so if you'll do, if you'll take action on the one that you're given, you'll get more to follow. Yeah. It's, it's kind of how you flex that faith muscle, that trust muscle, that, you know, that listening, that intuitive piece. I totally hear you. And isn't it fascinating? Cause I found myself in a similar situation where I couldn't I couldn't walk around. I could I could leave my home, but I couldn't walk more than maybe a block or so. I had quite an injury. And so for me, um, I was just laid up on the couch a lot and I couldn't uh, do the jobs. I couldn't do my jobs. Um, and it was such an interesting thing. And I, I don't know, for me, I really now believe it's true that I wasn't listening before because I, I kind of have this memory of, I used to be like incredibly active, like I go running all the time and I love being out in nature and I could hear, I could hear, Anna, slow down. You're not listening. Like you're not hearing what we're telling you. And I would always kind of think like, okay, I'll come back later and walk. Like I'll slow down, like I'll be back later, you know, but I never went back later. Right. And so I really believe for me, they were like, okay, if you're not going to listen, you know, it, you know, I think accumulation of events, but basically we're going to get your attention somehow. And so I believe that injury was really important for me to mm-hmm. be able to listen. I don't think that I would have listened otherwise. I had a really strong ego. I had a really strong mind tell me what I thought I should do. And I don't think I was really listening. So for me, I know that that was a really, it was really painful, you know, but it was really crucial. So yeah. I, I, I like that. I like when you say that it's like, well, what have I got to lose? That's exactly how I felt. It was like, well, I guess it's time. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah. and I, I mean, I, I think that that's a common thing. It's, it's also having your mortality challenged. You know, a lot of people, the, you know, this experience comes in the form of things like, you know, near death experiences or having cancer or something, something that pulls the rug out from under you and yeah. you can no, and no longer go forward with the same perspective. Like you literally just can't see yourself in the world the same way that you were. Right. It has been interrupted. Somebody has pinned you to the ground and said, hold on a minute. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a bit more about your work. You're an author and you run an intuitive development school um, and you do readings. And I, I might be missing something in there, but that sounds like enough. So I, I'm, let's talk about the, um, the, the readings that you do first. Uh, okay. Talk, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, I um I was kind of drafted into doing readings from the people who were reading the stuff that I was writing. And uh, the way that I learned that I could do readings was by having people who were following my blog write and ask me if I could connect for them. Could I hear their guides? Could I hear, could I ask my guides questions on their behalf? Like, and I just started to get all these emails um, and I was like, I could try and I found that I could and one of the things that I teach in in my intuitive mentoring you know of other people who are emerging in this process is that you're really not even fully aware of of how your intuition works you really need feedback from outside your own head mm -hmm. because so much of it is flying under the radar you know um you it, it you've been doing it for so long you just think it's part of your personality right mm -hmm. so I didn't really realize until I started to get the feedback from the clients that these details that were coming to me were things that I literally could not know any other way except through some kind of psychic channel. Yeah. Um, so I started out uh, just answering the emails. Um, I did hundreds of email readings because I made the mistake of offering it as a, an incentive for people to subscribe to my blog. And um, I was like, that'll be a great subscriber incentive. I'm, you know, like doing these readings now. And I got like several hundred requests and it took me seven months of doing like two and three readings a day or something like that yeah. to complete that promise. Like I, I, I put it up on my website and immediately took it down because I was like, oh crap. So I had this whole trial by fire experience. Like it went from being like, okay, I'll write a blog about my experiences to wake up nine months later and I've done hundreds and hundreds of readings. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I can do readings now. Um, so the readings that I do now, uh, I will do, uh, you know, I really like to do phone readings, like a full hour with someone on the phone. Um, but I also do really quick email readings um, that are, much more affordable for people, especially if they have uh, just one quick question or they have something really timely, like mm -hmm. something's coming up in a few days. Um, and I actually like doing the, um, the email readings uh, again. I've come full circle. I started out doing them and now I'm doing them again. Um, yeah, so that's the readings. That's great. So do you find, this is just like my curiosity, do, do the email readings then, do they get overbooked for you now? Or is there a way that you limit them? Or is it kind of self-limiting right now? You've got just enough. Yeah, it works out. And oh, you know, sorry. one of the, one of the reasons why I started doing them is because I realized that um, when you do an appointment session with someone by phone or Skype or whatever, there's actually a lot more time that goes into it and it has to be scheduled. So for instance, if it's 30 minutes until, you know, that booking or whatever, I really don't do anything else. I sort of piddle around and mm. so I found that there was a lot of dead time around the phone readings, whereas when I do an email reading, I can kind of control it. I can do it at the time that I want to. Mm -hmm. So I am able to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to set aside an hour and I'm going to do, I've got three email readings waiting and I'm going to bam, 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 do them all in a row and send them off. So it's very easy for me to turn those over really quickly. And I found that I can actually do much higher volume of them in a smaller amount of time. So, yeah. 
That's great. I'm kind of asking because it's something I've been considering. I was like, I'm going to talk to Slate about that because so for a while I opened up um, like a like a WhatsApp reading, like a voice, like five minutes of voice yeah. toward me and at five minutes back and I found it took me a lot longer to get and, and the volume that came in was overwhelming and all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, just just kidding. That's too much for me. But um, so anyway, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and so you work primarily clairaudiently and claircognizantly, is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Can you talk about what that means for you? For me, you know, it's it's wild. When I first started doing readings and, and really concentrating a lot on how is this working, how is it happening, which things am I good at, uh, I didn't consider myself very clairvoyant um, at all, especially if I went to like a class or something where someone was teaching clairvoyant stuff, I kind of felt like, Ooh, this is little, I feel a little blindfolded here, but yet I got these messages and I, I did a lot of writing and a lot of journaling. And I found that, you know, automatic writing is, is really kind of my go-to experience. And it touches again on the whole writing emails thing, because what I found over time is I've gotten more and more comfortable and confident about the information that comes through. I don't question it as much and I don't really overly think about how it's coming in. So, you know, early on, I thought of it as communicating with voices, you know, my guides, your guides, were they angels, were they spirit guides, you know, like I would get really in the weeds about the source. Whereas now it's kind of collapsed for me into this very simplified, multi-layered thing where you ask me a question and I retrieve the answer for you. Simple as that. And I don't, you know, if you want to interrupt me and say, wait a minute, where's that message coming from? I I can figure it out. Well, it seems like, you know, but um, I've kind of come to this point where the point of doing a reading for someone is to retrieve that information. And so I kind of think of it as just a pure claircognizant download situation. You ask me for information. I turn and look, Ooh, there it is. And then I give it to you either in words or I speak it. You know, yeah, I love that because something that I can, I think about a lot and something that my teacher reminds me is that, you know, the, the clearer, of container that I become through doing my own work, right? Becoming clear, preparing, you know, the through the rituals and the um, energy tools that I have, the easier the work will feel, mm-hmm. right? The, the less jumbled it will be. I know for me, if I get done with a reading and, I, and I'm tired, or if through a reading I find myself like thinking a lot, I'm in the way somehow. You know, and so for, I, I love what you said about it's just become a simplified thing. And what that s- says to me is like, oh, yeah, like you've just created such a great container that the information just flows. Right. You're kind well, of you way. know what? And people always ask me you know, the confidence that I'm mm-hmm. getting it right only comes mm-hmm. from having had the feedback that I get it right. It doesn't Absolutely. come, it doesn't come from this feeling in the moment, like I am on fire right now, you know, no. like I never feel that way about it. Um, I always just feel like, okay, I'm doing what I do. And I've done it enough times to know something will come out the other side, just do it. And as you become relaxed in that, it actually allows you to be more psychic. Yes. I think where we get screwed up is focusing on what we can't do. Yes. And at this point, I don't care that I'm not a medium. I don't care that I can't connect with your, you know, relatives who've passed over. It's not my thing, but I can recommend tons of people for you if you want. Um, If you want to talk about, you know, your career path and your purpose and your gifts and all that. Ooh, I love that. And so I think that it's human nature for us to focus on, the thing that we can't get and the thing we can't do and, and to feel panicked about it. But once you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I do this thing. I do this one thing really well. I make a killer grilled cheese and I'm just going to make a thousand of them. And that's the, you know, that's the way they get amazing, you know? Um, And it's, it's almost like trying to bring it into the mundane actually allows the magic to happen. 
Absolutely. Because we're here in the yeah. mundane world. Yeah. Like that's, that's exactly, yeah, we're here. And so this is where the magic is. I love that. I love that. And, and I think that's really good for listeners to hear, particularly those who are emerging, you know, healers and psychics is that we often think we have to be everything. I have to be clairvoyant and I have to be a medium and I have to be, like, no, find your grilled cheese. You know, find the, you know, find the thing that you do really well that can become really easy. You know, something that, um, that I went to my teacher and was like, uh, I don't feel like I'm doing anything anymore. She was like, well, then you, then you figured it out. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I will keep, I will keep feeling like I'm not doing anything then because the information just comes so quick, so easily. I had a friend just talking about this on social media about the phenomenon of when you're like typing really fast and you're thinking, wow, man, I am just blazing on this keyboard. And as soon as you start thinking about it, you start to make typos. And I said to him, the, thing, the same thing happens to me, roller skating, water skiing and playing the drums. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's a point at which when you're really like a badass on skates, it's because you're in the flow. And the minute you start overthinking it, it's not in your body anymore. You're in your head. And that's when, mm -hmm. you, you know, fall and bust your ass. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, our intuitive space and our thinking mind kind of share space together. Right. And so I think some of the, the tricky parts, which is what we're talking about now, is how do we how do they share? How do we you know, switch back and forth between them, you know, what's the intersection of the thinking mind and the intuitive mind. And you kind of talk about these in, in different areas on your podcast. Um, and you talk about creativity too. Mm -hmm. But I bring this up because I know that in my, in some of my training, the biggest challenge for me was to learn to turn down what I call the analyzer, the part of me that's going, are you sure? Are you sure? I don't know. Yes. I don't, you know, it's like, oh, and to be able to get that part out of the way while I strengthened that intuitive channel. And, and sometimes they, they just play together really well. But anyway, let's talk about that a little bit and how you see those, those two places interacting. I have a couple different metaphors for it. Like if I'm just talking about the thinking mind versus the intuitive mind, the mm -hmm. intellect versus the intuition, I always think of like, um, the intuition arrives first and it's smaller and it's quiet. And then the ego and the thinking mind kind of shows up a beat after, but it's so loud and it's such a, it, it's so full of itself that it kind of silences and eclipses whatever's going on. I, I actually, I think I did an audio about this for my students where I talk about this image of like this shy little child showing up on your doorstep. And then right behind him is his mom. And she's like this big loud mouth lady. Right. And she comes barreling into the room and takes over before you ever, he ever gets a peep out. So, um, I think that the idea of speed, and that's what we were talking about, being in the flow, typing really fast, doing anything to where you're kind of shutting down your ability to overthink it. Um, one of the things that's cool about conversation is it's improvisational. Yeah. The way you and I are speaking right now, this is not scripted and rehearsed and it's you know fast talking, but it allows our thoughts to flow out of our mouth. And it's something that everyone does pretty much, you know, every day and unless they have some uh, kind of hearing impairment or something, but mm -hmm. most of us can talk, you know? Yeah. So th the idea that exercises that allow you to isolate the intuition with speed um, are really helpful. Um, I set timers even now when I do a reading, um, if I'm doing an email reading, I will set a timer on my phone and, and just type really, really quickly. There's something about the, um, it prompts your brain to kind of, you know, get into that mode. Um, as a writer, I also think of this as being the drafting mind versus the editor. And when you're in a drafting mode, you, don't want to edit, you know, you come back later and edit. So right. um, you need to tell the editor to shut up. Um, the thing, the difference between intuition and writing and for people who do both those things, you've got to learn that um, intuition is kind of like showing people your rough draft. 
It's about not fixing anything, not polishing anything. All the things that you would do if you were publishing a piece on your blog, you do the exact opposite in a reading. It's like you really um, have to let it just, you have to be willing to kind of make an ass of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I work with a woman who's a stand-up comedian who's also a psychic. And she said to me the first time she emailed me, she was like, I know it sounds really ridiculous that I do both those things. I said, no, it makes absolute sense to me because you are so practiced at being in the mental space of just allowing whatever comes out of your mouth in flow. And you don't care if you make an asset of yourself. You're not worrying about, oh, are they going to think I'm really bad at this? You've, you've gotten beyond that. You're so in the groove of, of not caring. And, and it's that kind of relaxed, loose place of, of not overthinking, you know, where it all happens. Um, the one other metaphor that I have, which I think you were referring to, is the uh, the place where creativity and intuition kind of sit side by side. I see all these different kind of channels of the mind as being like lanes on a highway. Some of them are further apart than others. So the thinking mind is is probably farther away than than the intuitive lane. But the creative lane is very close to the intuitive. You can weave back and forth between them. You can drive right down the middle. And that's what artists and musicians and writers talk about when they're in the flow and it just feels like they're just allowing it to come through. I think what they're doing in that moment is they're driving right down the dotted line with some of their tires and intuition and some in creativity. So I think anything that kind of strengthens that muscle or loosens that muscle, you know, um, the idea of sketching versus doing some, you know, consignment piece that you somebody paid you for, you know, having a practice where you simply journal whatever's in your mind for 15 minutes, you know, every morning, those kinds of practices allow you to kind of shake off some of that stiffness and that um, that tension really, right? Because when we start thinking about making an ass of ourselves, it's a tension and a fear, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, the intuitive channel is fast and loose and kind of doesn't care what anyone thinks about it. And it's a hippie chick, you know, dancing at the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's so, the image that came to me was like, you know, when you're driving down a freeway and the road hasn't been serviced for a while and it's like the trucks have made indentations yeah. in that lane. That's what I imagine that thinking channel. Cause sometimes you get stuck there and it's like, you feel like you can't quite get back over to creativity or intuition. And, <laughs> but if you just right. like relax and slow down, you just, whoosh, you know, <laughs> Right. And, and well, and, you know, intuition and creativity might be the fast lanes on the left, as totally. opposed to the thinking mind is like where all the people are coming in and out. And, you know, that's where the, the on ramps are. And I the, love that. Yeah. It's the slow lane where you have to pull over. And if you get a flat tire, you know, it's like where all that happens. Yeah, and it's where all the rules are, you know, all the rules that we learn from others and from society and from culture, right? It's, it's like, you know, you have to go the speed that everyone else is going, you know, yes. you have to, yeah, all that other stuff is there. I really like that metaphor. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I'm curious, um, in your mentoring program, um, tell, tell us about your mentoring program, first of all. It's called Automatic Intuition Professional. And the idea is really about the capturing this, what we've just been speaking about, which is that intuition is kind of automatic and it's fast and it's not something you think about. It's something that you already possess. Mm -hmm. And so the goal for me is not necessarily to even teach everybody to do what I do, but mm -hmm. to support them in discovering what their version of this is. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I like to think makes my program different than a lot of psychic development courses is that I customize it to each individual person. So mm -hmm. you know what? I work with people who have abilities I don't have. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, <laughs> I often think of it as being like 
the fat middle-aged guy who's coaching the 10 year old gymnastics, you know, it's like, <laughs> when did he ever do this trick? You know, um, there's a difference between being able to coach someone and support someone and being able to necessarily do it yourself. And so I found that um, I can still support people who are mediums and I can support people who are clairvoyance and people who do energy healing. So one of the big, big goals for me is to create support that is about your brand and your version of whatever this is and whatever you want to call it. Most of us who would go into a professional intuitive training program come with a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge, a lot of life experience. And we don't, you know, we come with a big bag of tricks and um, there's an overlap. You know, many of us have gathered some of the same skills. Um, but what I really like to do is to help you hone in on that thing, like the, the image of the grilled cheese, the amazing grilled cheese that you can make and let all the other stuff go because so much of what I experience are people who are like, I can't see auras. I can't see auras. Meanwhile, they can speak to your grandmother that passed away or they pick up on all kinds of spirit communication. And so one of the things that I do is an assessment based on a guided meditation that will show me the ways in which your intuition is most likely to manifest. Um, there, there's encoded language in the way that you talk about this stuff that reveals whether or not you are clairvoyant or clairdominantly clairsentient, it will also show if you have some skill or ability waiting in the wings that you are too shy to reach for. Mm -hmm. And what that allows me to do is say, let's play with this tool. Don't worry about that tool over there that you had a terrible experience with, or, you know, don't worry about the thing that you try and, you know, fail at. Let's pick something that is really easy to do and then let's pick something that you're attracted to for whatever reason even if it scares you a little bit and what we do is we create a kind of reading modality if you will um, out of those really really simple things and then the rest of the course is very much the experience of using those skills in the context of reading for other people because what it is that you want to know like how good are you? What parts of what you bring through are accurate? You know, um, like what, where, where am I supposed to be going with this? Who am I supposed to be healing with this? All of that information actually comes through the feedback from the clients. Um, so if you're on this, this side of a reading and you've never really gone there yet and you're thinking that there's somehow a bunch of stuff you're supposed to get before you can make that leap, the good slash bad news is that all of that stuff is waiting for you on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's what's so, that's kind of that paradox is that, yeah, that's, that's where you're going to get feedback from. And it's scary to make that leap. And mm -hmm. you have to kind of calm that fear down so that you can zoom into the intuitive lane, right? <laughs> and kind of yeah. be there, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and you know what? I have a really great community of people. We have a secret Facebook group. Um, they're all peers. You know, I don't think yeah. of myself as a guru. I think no. of myself as like a cocktail party host. I just happen to invite all these really cool people that I think will get along well together. And we're all, um, you know, misfit toys in our own way, but yet we share a kind of kindred spirit, you know, um, quality. And most people who are spiritual seekers will mention feeling isolated in their own lives, in their own families, within yes. their communities. So, you know, through the amazing powers of the interwebs, we are able to create the space where it's full of people that you want to be friends with and you want to talk about this stuff with. So there is no safer environment for you to, you know, kind of try. And also there's no better group of people to give you really detailed, valuable feedback about what the hell it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the most beautiful things about, the community that's created around my students is that not only do you get my advice and feedback, but you get it from all these other people as well. So um, I often hear stories about the 
cool thing that somebody taught somebody to do with, you know, Oracle cards or something that I'd never heard of, or, you know, somebody that shares their, um, you know, energy clearing tips with one of the students who's doing a practice reading on them. So it's really become this kind of collective um, learning environment. And it's about you um, trying what it is that you, you know, have and, and learning about it from a group of people who can kind of mirror it back to you. That's mm -hmm. really the bottom line. And um, I'm very proud of all those people for, you know, creating that right in front of me. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I might need to join your, <laughs> I might need to join your group. It sounds wonderful. So, you know, you do, you do readings um, during the day, you mentor, you author, right? You're writing. Um, what do you need to do as a, you know, sensitive, intuitive, psychic to keep yourself healthy? What is the self-care? What goes on behind the scenes that, that we don't get to see? Mm, sleep is the number one thing I'm so I'm such a tyrant about my sleep and I apologize to everyone who has small children I realize what that challenge is probably <laughs> like but um, I do not have children and therefore I am able to um, sleep pretty much the same time every night and I, I guard that very well um, it is a whole process of turning off in the evenings um, I am, I spend a lot of time on screens. I don't think there's anything wrong with devices and technology, but I think that there is a point where you have to turn them off if you want to unplug and just, you know, shed some of that frenetic stuff that you've been in all day. So I am pretty religious about not getting on the computer after 4.30, 5 o'clock. Um, unless somebody has a problem, if somebody emails me help, I bought something on your website and it's not downloading, I will absolutely check my phone and jump on and deal with that. But um, I'm very careful to keep my bedroom space very free of any activity other than sleeping and reading and cuddling with my pets. <laughs> you know, it's like that's where that happens. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, believe it or not, physical fitness. I am a very late in life athlete slash jock. I didn't start working out until I was 41 years old. And um, now I am basically like a CrossFit person. Um, I've been doing uh, high intensity interval training for five years with the same community of people. And um, that's my that's a big grounding, you know, tool for me. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a regular scheduled thing and I don't want to give the impression that I always feel gung ho to do it. Um, but I just show up because it like writing, uh, working out is one of those things that, you know, I hate doing, but I love having done. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. So for me, it, it really is about, um, you know, I think that, especially as spiritual people, as creative people, as intellectuals, we spend so much time in the upper chakras, you know, like trying to get in our third eye turned on and trying to, you know, connect with our divine crown and all that stuff. And that's not where the grounding happens. The grounding no. happens at the bottom. So um, I think of, I think of every day as being like rebooting your Wi-Fi router you know, unplugging it and plugging it back in and watching the little dots light up from the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my routine. It's like, it starts with, you know, turning everything off, going and working out, coming home and eating. And then I watch the hell out of some Netflix and I read and I sleep. And I don't do a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of little rituals for energy clearing and some of the psychic stuff I do after a reading, but I want people to know that um, what works for me is not some really awesome, impressive meditation practice, you know, like I'm not sitting in a lotus position anywhere unless I'm in a yoga class, <laughs> um, you know. I, um, I really do believe in, in basics when it comes to grounding and um, the basics of fitness and nutrition and, and kind of wellness and rest. I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, 
you know, sitting in meditation has its place, but it's, it's not necessarily, you know, when we live in a household and we have jobs and like responsibilities, it's not what keeps us grounded, like you said. And I, I found it interesting how you said, you said something like, believe it or not, I, you know, exercise and, you know, <laughs> and right. I find that, you know, because I think that there is this perception that like psychics do just sit around and balance on their <laughs> divine crown. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> right. I love, I actually love that you do CrossFit. I mountain bike yeah. um, in, in ways that I think some people would find kind of extreme. Like I, yeah. I, I go to bike parks and I jump and I go downhill really fast. Wow. And, that's scaring me. <laughs> right. Right. And some people, but I, but it, it, it's a flow state for me and it grounds me in my body right? There's something about being in my body in ways that are highly technical. That's mm -hmm. really comforting for me. Maybe because I have, I, I grew up as a ski racer and like I had a lot of, and a gymnast, I had a lot of coaching in my body, mm. but yeah, I, I think that, and then just walking, you know, I yeah take as I many can. walks as I can hikes. I live at kind of at the base of the mountains here outside of Seattle. And so everything's really accessible here. I do think that if anyone is feeling frazzled or ungrounded or unconnected, like if they feel like help my, you know, psychic channel is completely on the fritz here. I'm not getting anything. Um, I always tell those people, if you can walk, start yes. walking, Get walk moving. every freaking day because yeah. it, it takes you out of your environment. It puts you in nature. Hopefully you can do it somewhere outside, mm -hmm. you know, depending on the time of year and where you live. Mm -hmm. But that walking meditation is when the ideas start to come in and the advice from your higher self and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you're striving for, that you're trying to do with meditation and incense and, you know, whatever it is. Um, it actually, it, it's not that hard. It, it, the hardest part is making the commitment to doing it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, and there's all the physiological reasons why it works, right? It lowers cortisol. It um, gets us out of our sympathetic nervous system. Like there's all these like physiological reasons why it works. And something that I've been thinking a lot about recently is, you know, how it's fairly new in, in our evolution as humans to sit all day with everything that we're taking in. So we're taking in humongous loads of information and we're sitting and our bodies historically, we've always been moving. Maybe we've had information coming in, but we've always been moving our bodies. So our bodies are used to moving information, emotions, whatever, or at least being able to have the freedom to move. And so I think that movement, whether or not it's exercise, you know, whether or not because I know people who can't stand gyms, fine, but right. can't, you know, but movement is so like biological and like evolutionary. Evo it's part of our evolution to move and to need movement to reset. Um, you know, something something that happens like when we um, have anxiety or panic attacks is that we'll tremble. You know, our bodies will tremble because there's often movement that needs to happen. And so mm -hmm. we can, you know, part of the treatment for that is actually going out and moving the body. So anyway, I just, I just so agree with what you said, like basics, like move your body, feed it well. Yeah. 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 You know, drink yeah. water. <laughs> go so, to bed, turn uh, off the phone and go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so love sleep and I do have a small child and we're, I'm in a system right now where it's like husband's on duty one night. I'm on duty one night. So I know if I have a terrible night, the next night I get to sleep really well. Oh, that's so that's, good. that's nice. Mm -hmm. that, sounds like a good, that sounds like a good system. It's a good system for now. So, all right. So Slade, is there, you know, we've got listeners from everywhere. A lot of listeners are, um, you know, highly sensitive people or people working in the healing field. And I always like to finish, you know, if there's just one thing you want the listeners to know today, what would that be? Hmm. That you're already everything that you've ever wanted to become. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing to add. You already have access to whatever it is that, that makes you special, that gives you power, that gives you peace, whatever it is that's your purpose, you're doing it right now. 
you know, you're, you're living and breathing and being in the world and interacting with others. And so it's, it's not about acquiring anything, you know, it's about getting in touch with what's there and um, yeah, you're already everything you've ever wanted to become. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.